This is a program about the history of the West Cornwall Railway up to the end of the 19th century. I'm your host, Dr. David Robinson. English people in search of comfortable winter quarters are beginning to recognize that the trouble, fatigue, and expense of a journey to the Mediterranean coast is no longer necessary. They can obtain all they desire in West Cornwall, which boldly rivals the south of France in the mildness of its climate, and surpasses it in convenience and friendliness. There is little difference between day and night temperatures, and the south and west winds off the ocean are refreshing. Snow and frost are rarely recorded in the winter. If you're considering visiting Cornwall, you might want to learn some local railway history. As remote as the district is, it can proudly claim to be the first portion of the country traversed by a steam locomotive. It therefore occupies a leading position in the history of railways in Great Britain. The town of Redruth, with its surrounding copper mines, was where it all started. It was here in 1784 that a William Murdoch made a little three-wheeled steam carriage and tried it out one night going home from his work in the Redruth mine. He happened to be near a church on a lonely road when the machine seems to have run away from him and confronted the worthy vicar of the parish. The vicar mistook it for his satanic majesty in person and got quite upset. Then there's Richard Trevithick. He was a pupil of Murdoch and a captain of a neighbouring tin mine. He lived at that time in Hale. In 1802 he took out a patent for a steam carriage to be used on ordinary roads. It looked like a coach on four wheels. This was the first successful high-pressure engine using a steam-driven piston. One day, on the way to be exhibited in London, it was on the road to Plymouth, when it reached a turnpike. The turnpike keeper, who opened his gate, was greatly afraid and trembled at the snorting novelty. When asked by Trevithick what there was to pay, he replied, "'Nothing to pay!' My dear Mr. Devil, do drive on as fast as you can. Nothing to pay. The first railway ever opened in this district was the Redruth and Devon, dating back to 1825. It was first worked by horsepower and still is existing for mineral traffic. But the earliest line of real importance, which was the foundation of the West Cornwall system, was a railway joining the mining centre of Redruth with the seaport town of Hale. The reason for this is obvious. Hale provided an ocean outlet for tin and copper, much of which was taken up to Bristol by ships. It was also an inlet for cargoes of coal from South Wales. This stretch of line was opened for mineral traffic in 1839, 
and for passenger traffic in 1841. The railway from Redruth to Hale was celebrated for several features of interest. First, the rails were laid on stone sleepers, and very rackety and noisy was a journey made over them. Second, just outside Hale, there was a steep gradient known as the Angarak Incline. On top of it, there was a stationary engine which hauled up and let down the trains with a rope. The locomotive remained on the train and assisted. On one occasion the rope broke when a train filled with excursionists was on this incline. And although the passengers got a faster journey than they paid for, amazingly not one of them was hurt. And third, about one mile west of the present Camborne station was another incline on the old Hale and Redruth line known as the Pen Ponds Incline. This incline was a half a mile in length and worked by means of balancing trucks on a double line. On the top were two drums heading each line, around which stretched the hauling rope. Several laden trucks running down on one line pulled the train up the other, with the assistance of the locomotive. The local event of the year was to run for a few miles on the Port Reith branch to Lovely Cottage, or to come down the Angarak Incline into Hale, packed in open carriages and coal trucks. They hadn't yet realised that railway travelling meant more than a local excursion. In 1851, the Hale and Redruth line was extended to Penzance, under the name of the West Cornwall Railway. Instead of an extension, it would be more proper to say that only a part of the old line was used, because the new line was diverted in order to eliminate running on the inclines. As you travel down to Penzance today, you can catch a glimpse of the embankment of the old track, leaving the present main line on the right, about a mile west of Gwynir Road Station. The line is now carried over the valley by the Angarak Viaduct, which has passed through three stages of construction, wood, then wood with stone pillars, and lastly, entirely of stone. The next extension of the West Cornwall Railway was towards the east, from Redruth to a point about a mile westward of Truro, known as Penwithers. Only a signal cabin now stands on this spot, which was also known as Higher Town. This branch was opened on March the 11th, 1852, and was subsequently extended to Newham. Newham is about one mile farther on and to the south of Truro. For some time, Newham was the eastern terminus of the West Cornwall line. The branch from Penwithers to Newham still exists, but is only worked for mineral traffic. The line was originally laid with Barlow rails, and not infrequently the coaches would leave them. A Barlow rail was a rolled rail section with wide flaring feet, designed to be laid directly on the ballast without requiring sleepers. 
It was widely adopted on lightly trafficked railways, but did not last because of maintenance difficulties. On one occasion, a first-class carriage travelled a considerable distance off the rails. When it was discovered and the train stopped, some of the passengers put their heads out of the windows and asked what the matter was. When they were told that their carriage was off the line, they refused to believe it. They hadn't felt any difference. The line was narrow gauge and had its own rolling stock. Originally a few engines were built at Carn Brea, among them being the Redruth, Penzance and Carn Brea. Others were later built by Stevenson and Company. The passenger rolling stock consisted of 27 coaches, which were built at Carn Brea and ran on four wheels. A memorable story is of a gigantic excursion train that one day ran from Redruth to Penzance and back. It was carrying a large group of teetotalers for a day's outing. This train consisted of 76 vehicles, of which only 17 were passenger coaches. It was drawn by three engines. Two were in the front and one in the middle of the train. Sad to relate, this party of pious excursionists left a terrible blot on their day's outing. For on the return journey, whether by design or accident, the driver drew up opposite a large apple orchard. Possibly to take extreme measures against such an intoxicating beverage as cider, the army of teetotalers swarmed down from the train and climbed up the apple trees. Soon the orchard resembled the famous bear cupboard of Mother Hubbard. In early days the working of the trains was very different. The time system was in vogue and a 15 minute start was given to one train before another could follow it. But changes were ahead for the old West Cornwall Railway which eventually led to the running of corridor trains from Paddington through to Penzance. Across the valleys of eastern Cornwall, the indefatigable Brunel was building his great wooden viaducts, pushing onward his broad-gauge road against the advice of Stevenson. Mile by mile, the Grand Cornwall Railway progressed, and on May 4, 1859, the passenger service between Plymouth and Truro was declared open. Meanwhile, a short section of line had been laid from Penwithers to the present Truro station. It was then the western terminus of the Cornwall Railway. For a short time, the transfer between the two gauges took place here, because the West Cornwall Railway was a narrow gauge line. But Broad Gauge triumphed, and in 1860 the first Broad Gauge train ran into Penzance. At first there was only one passenger train a day between Paddington and Penzance, and for a long period the third-class passenger could not travel by the speedy trains at all. The Broad Gauge was expensive in more ways than one, and although many deplore its disappearance, 
the standard gauge through route to the far west finally began in May of 1892. In due time, the Bristol and Exeter and the South Devon railways were bought up by the Great Western, which eventually became the owner of the West Cornwall in 1876. Since that date, two branches have been opened in connection with this portion of the Great Western system. The line from St. Earth to St. Ives, 1877, and from Gwynea Road to Helston, 1887. The Helston branch was open for passenger traffic on May 9, 1887, has been never anything but a narrow gauge line. Helston is the nearest station for the Lizard and much frequented by tourists. The St. Ives branch was of an earlier date and was opened on June 1, 1877. It was a broad gauge line for some years. This little line, only four miles or so in length, is one of the most picturesque and beautifully situated in England. After leaving St. Earth with a pretty view of Hale and its harbour on one's right, the train skirts the shore along Carbis Bay and St. Ives Bay. And in one place the passenger looks far down from the cliff-cut track into the sea beneath. The first view of the town of St. Ives is of a forest of masts in its harbour. It is a picture of life and beauty that isn't easily forgotten. It is said that the two most beautifully situated railway stations in England are Cromer on the Great Eastern, which is ranked first, and St. Ives ranked second. St. Ives is right on the sea. Below it lies a fleet of pilchard boats on the beach, and above rises the cliff. The station stands high, and the town itself can be seen curving around the harbour. There is no more charming spot on the Cornish coast than St. Ives, because it presents features that no other town has. On the heights around Tregenna Castle, you can enjoy as fresh a breeze and as lovely a land and seascape as you can wish for. It is curious in considering the origin of the West Cornwall Railway to note that it was originally constructed to develop the mineral traffic of the district. However, at the present time, the goods traffic is chiefly drawn from another of the three great kingdoms, the vegetable. All around St. Ives, Penzance, Marazion, and St. Ertle, broccoli and potatoes are grown in large quantities. Many trainloads are dispatched to London and the Midlands. By growing these two vegetables, the land produces two crops every year. From St. Earth, large quantities of strawberries are also dispatched. The influence of the climate in the neighbourhood combined with railway facilities has also developed an enormous traffic in flowers. Immense quantities of narcissi are brought over from the Scilly Isles, the tropics of England. 
They are dispatched from Penzance by train and find a ready market in our large towns before winter has quite let go its icy hold. Wallflowers, stocks and daffodils are gathered in the Penzance district and sent to Birmingham and other towns, even finding their way to Ireland and Scotland. The cultivated ground in the district has increased tremendously since the opening of the line, resulting in an increase in employment as well. The animal kingdom is also represented in the railway traffic of western Cornwall. The great harvest of the sea is continually being gathered in around the coast. The number of fishing boats with their crews has increased with the means of selling the fresh harvest in distant towns. March to June represents a busy time both for fishermen and railway employees, for those months are the mackerel season. Fish special trains go racing away eastward daily. This, then, has been the impact of the railway on the west of Cornwall. The End You have been listening to a railway history program produced and presented by Podcasting Net. If you enjoyed it, please tell your friends and check back soon for more railway history programs of this type. You may also purchase a copy of the original article in Kindle ebook form by going to my author page on Amazon. Amazon.com slash author slash D-C-R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N Amazon.com slash author slash D-C-Robinson Thank you.